Uh, and uh, again, we'll only use this for the audio portion. Uh, our New Testament reading is from Acts chapter 3, and we'll be reading verses 1 to 16. Luke writes in Acts chapter 3, One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him as John did, and then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I, ha but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk, and then went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. When the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. This, too, is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this is the title of the sermon. And you may have seen a theme with the Old Testament passage, this idea of strength, right? And I just wanted to ask you a question as we start. You don't have to answer. You don't have to raise your hand. But do you feel strong? I mean, really, if you think about your life, if you think about how you approach life, your conversations, how you approach work, how you approach conflict, whatever, do you feel strong? We're going to talk about that tonight. Um, let's look at our story first, though. Just to recap and to kind of go through verse by verse, as we always do. Verse one, there, uh, Peter and John are going up to the temple to pray at the time of prayer. Um, and, and this is something I just always love to point out when it says this in scripture, that they were praying at the sixth hour or the ninth hour or at the time of prayer. Um, sometimes we forget or sometimes we don't realize that actually the Jews were people who, like Islamic people or Muslim people now, pray at certain times throughout the day. <clears throat> the Jewish people, Jesus and his disciples, would pray at times throughout the day that was regular. If you remember the story of Daniel... The reason they caught him praying to God when he was supposed to be bowing before the gold statue was because he prayed at the same time every day, right? <clears throat> and so just as a, a shameless plug here, um, this daily repetitive prayer that the disciples engaged in is very much like one of the things we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks with spiritual disciplines. Here we see in the New Testament time, 
a regular scheduled prayer. That at the time of prayer, it says at three in the afternoon that they were going to the temple because that's when people went to pray. It's interesting. So verse two, uh, as we know throughout scripture, and we've seen that people would set disabled people in high traffic areas that they might beg, right? It's no different than today. If you travel to other cities, we don't have so many in Switzerland, but if you travel to other cities around Europe, especially, we see this. People camp out in high traffic areas to beg. They camp out, and this was no different. There's this gate, uh, the scriptures tell us, called the Beautiful Gate. It was on the Temple Mount. We don't know exactly where it was. You can look it up. It's, um, But it was destroyed in 70 AD, so we're not exactly sure which gate this is. But even still, it was a gate that people would come up onto the big Temple Mount in Jerusalem, and they would go through as they entered into the temple courts and temple grounds. And so they camped this guy out so that people going to and from prayer and to and from worship would give money or would, you know, whatever it was. And this is probably how this guy lived each and every day. Some nice people would bring him there. At the end of the day, they'd bring him home because he couldn't walk. And so here we see verse three, four, and five, this man is begging. And Peter and John notice him, it says. It says they look at him and they say, hey, look at us, right? And of course, this man is thinking, great. Scripture even tells us, I'm going to get something here, right? These guys are going to give me a little something. These guys are going to give me, maybe they'll be one of the really generous ones, you know, that gives me a big bill so I don't have to keep begging all day. I can call it quits for the day, have a nice hot meal tonight, something like that. But then verse six, the story kind of takes a really wild turn, right? In verse six, let me read it for us again. Imagine, imagine how he would have felt after this first couple of words, silver or gold, I do not have. His sort of, his, his whole kind of demeanor deflates. Oh, that's, you know, imagine going to someone begging on the street and saying, hey, I don't have money for you, but Jesus loves you, right? They're kind of going to get all excited and then sort of deflate, right? Oh, you don't have any money for me. But, but, but that's not what they do. They say, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And all of a sudden, right? And, and if you remember from last week, the end of Acts chapter 2 and verse 43, we actually talked about this briefly, about the, the, the miracles and the signs and the wonders the apostles were doing. And here we begin to see, this is the first one since Pentecost, right? This is the first miracle where they're doing something like Jesus did, right? And, and, and we see this beginning to happen. It's going to continue through the book of Acts, right? And we see this work of Jesus through the Holy Spirit continuing among the disciples past Pentecost. It wasn't just about speaking in the, in the tongues of other nations, but continuing the ministry of Jesus. Continuing the work of Jesus in much in the same way Jesus did it, right? He went to them and said, I don't have money to give you, but I have something much better. Remember the story of Jesus with the woman at the well and John? She asked him for a drink and he said, I don't have a drink to give you right now, but I have something that is even better. I have living water and you will never be thirsty with this water, right? And so we see his disciples actually teaching just like Jesus did here in verse six and doing something amazing through the power of the Holy Spirit. And in verse seven and eight, we see that immediately his legs and ankles become strong and he grabs him by the hand and pulls him up. 
And he cruises under the temple with him. He walks through the gate called Beautiful. And it says he's not just going into the temple, but he is jumping, right? I love this little detail that he is jumping because how joyful would it be if you had been debilitated your whole life to be able to jump, right? And that's what this guy's doing. And in verse 9 and 10, people saw it. And we have the same response as we saw in Acts chapter 2 with the Holy Spirit. People were filled with wonder and with amazement. People didn't know how to respond. Same as what I talked about last week with the church. You know, when, when we as the church are living this calling of Jesus Christ upon our lives, people look on the church with favor and with amazement and with wonder and awe, not with critical eyes, but almost with envious eyes. And that's what was happening here. And they wonder what is going on. How is this possible? And then so Peter gets, gets the chance to preach again. So he does. A crowd gathers around them in Solomon's colonnade. And, and they're seeing this beggar. And they're, they're talking to Peter and John. What's going on? What's happening? And Peter's response is so good, isn't it? <laughs> Why does this surprise you guys? <laughs> like, like, have you forgotten all of the stories you heard about Jesus? We, we are witnesses. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago with Acts chapter 1. Remember what he says? We are called to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. You and I. And he's telling the people, we are witnesses of this Jesus. We are continuing his mission. The same things we saw him do, we are now doing through the Holy Spirit. Why does this surprise you? You gave this man over, this Jesus, to be crucified. And because of this, now we are continuing his mission, but yet you still don't understand? And he says, look, this man was made strong, as you can all see. Not through our faith, he says. It, Peter and John say, it wasn't me, right? It wasn't that, that we were so great. It wasn't that we have it figured out. It was Jesus in us. This is how he was made strong, was Christ in us. And now you see it. And what I love about this, again, we look at the Old Testament passage from today. This isn't new, right? We look at the Old Testament passage and, and what were the, the you know, Moses' followers, what was their response to seeing the giants in the land of Canaan and in the promised land? They felt small. They felt weak. They actually used the word strong. They are too strong right? And we know that they doubted. We know that the Israelites doubted. We know that the Israelites struggled to believe in themselves. And because of that, if you know the story, you can keep reading it. But if you know the story, they had to wait to enter the promised land. But God made their children's generation strong. What did God promise Joshua over and over? What was like the, the tagline of the book of Joshua? Be strong and courageous. So you see, this idea of God making us strong like this man is not a new idea. But it's been God's desire for his people since the beginning. That they would be strong, that they would stand up for the things God is doing in their lives as John and Peter are doing with this disabled man. Israel felt weak. But God said, no, I will make you strong. And, and, and through the wonderful leadership of Joshua, 
we see them being made strong. So let me ask you a question. Let me ask you, how do you feel? Do you feel strong? When you think about your life, when you think about your ministry to the world, your witness to the world, the things God is doing, do you feel strong? Or do you feel weak? Do you feel ineffective? Do you sometimes feel like you are on the sidelines? That rather than being in the temple gates, or rather than being in the temple courts, jumping and worshiping, do you feel like you're on the outside, begging? You feel broken, you feel incomplete. You ever feel that way? Have you ever had seasons in your life or times in your life where you felt like, I, I'm just not worthy to be inside there. I can't go in there. I'm too small. I'm too weak, like the Israelites when they saw the Canaanites. And, and listen, we've all felt this way, right? Right? We've all had times in our lives where we feel this way. It could be a number of things. It could be from, from, from trauma or hurt from our past. It could be something that made you scared. Maybe you've been by other people beaten down emotionally in your life. Maybe you've been just simply told you're not strong your whole life. Maybe other people have told you the lie that you are not strong. Maybe physically you feel weak. Maybe you're fighting chronic illness or pain. Maybe there's something happening that's outside of your control completely. Maybe you have a chronic issue that's never gone away. See, we all have reasons for our doubts, right? We all doubt our usefulness and our effectiveness at times. Because let's just call it what it is. Sometimes the world around us makes us feel weak, doesn't it? Sometimes the world around us makes us feel this way. And, and, and sometimes it's not even just like at the individual level. Sometimes it's at the communal level. Sometimes we doubt our usefulness uh, at the communal level. As a church community or as Christians, we try something and it fails. Or, or we look at the, the, the view of the church in the world and we think, oh, we as Christians are failing. We're too weak. We're not strong enough. What more can we do? We try to stand up for our faith and popular opinion turns on us. See, it, whether it's individual or communal, whether it's today or tomorrow, feeling weak is sort of part of this human condition that we all suffer from. And listen, I know how this feels. You know, pastors, of course, are not immune to this. And what's funny about this is we talk about feeling weak and small, like the Israelites felt. Um, I, I, I sometimes joke about this with people is that I'm, I'm kind of a large person, right? <laughs> I'm very tall. I I'm, I'm sort of large. Sometimes I kind of get in the way and my wife will even say to me, you're, you're just, you're so big, like get out of the way, you know, like in our little kitchen or something. Right. And, but what's funny is that even in my own life for a long time, I have felt little, I have felt timid. I have felt weak. You know, I remember growing up and not being good at school. I remember growing up, not being good at school and, and, and thinking that, that I wasn't smart enough. Right. I remember uh, growing up and, and we had some difficulties in my childhood with my, in my household and, and feeling like because of my home situation, I was less than other people, right? You go to someone's house and their family seems perfect. And you think about your own home life and you think, man, this, <laughs> this could not be more different, right? Um, 
maybe for you, it's like that. Maybe it's some of your feelings of weakness come from your background, past struggles you've had. You know, but but even as an adult, these things come back up. I remember as an adult, after by the grace of God going to college when I never felt I was good enough to do so, and then getting a master's degree one day, thinking this is just like a miracle. And and then even as an adult, struggling to find a job or struggling to find you know success, and then I doubt my education, I doubt my training. I feel like am am I good enough for this? Even as an adult, sometimes we feel weak. Even though we have all these things in our past that might even supposed to give us confidence, we feel weak. We don't feel strong. Maybe it's, it's with something else. But maybe I've even met people that when I share these examples, they sort of say, you know what? It's not really my issue. <laughs> I, I had a great childhood. I've always sort of fallen into good jobs. I've always been successful in work. That's not really me. I'm very confident. I'm very successful. And people stand up strong and they say, yes, I get that. But there's one area that even the most confident person in this world feels weak. And that is our feelings of spiritual weakness. (laughs) Because all it takes is for us to read scripture to read the Ten Commandments, to read the teachings of Jesus. And oftentimes our feeling is, I can't measure up. Oftentimes when we look at the teachings of Jesus, we think this is a tough teaching. I am too weak to follow this. Oftentimes because of our choices, because of our sin, we feel trapped, like we can't get out. We feel shame and we feel guilt. And every single one of us, every single one of us knows what it's like to feel spiritually weak, don't we? And when we're in that time, when we're in that space, we feel alone. We feel like no one understands. No one ever feels this way. It's just me. But let me tell you, you are not alone. First of all, I know we all go through this because I'm a pastor and people tell me these things, okay? So I know we all go through these things. But another reason I was thinking about that's really interesting to me was there's this song that's been really popular in the last couple of years. It was released over two years ago. And it's the song, you've all heard it. We've sung it in church. You hear it on the radio. You hear it on Spotify or Apple Music or however you listen to music. It's the song, You Say by Lauren Daigle. And this has actually broken a record for a Christian song that's been like the number one Christian song for over two years. Um, And if you don't know it, I I bet you you've heard it. You're just not familiar with what I'm saying. But the reason it's so popular is because the message it says. The message resonates with people so much that people are listening to it over and over and over because it's so encouraging. And let me just read you the chorus. The chorus says, you say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I am strong when I think I am weak. You say I am held when I am falling short. And when I don't belong, you say I am yours. And this has been the number one song for over two years. And it's not just because there's no other good songs. It's because people hear it and they say, yes, I need to hear that message. It's because people hear it and they feel encouraged and they feel close to God. Because you know what? We all feel weak at times. We all feel afraid at times. We all, every single one of us struggle with spiritual doubt. 
But the amazing thing about our God is that when we acknowledge it, when we're honest with it, God comes and meets us there. God meets us in our doubt. God meets us in our weakness. See, this is what happens when we start walking with Jesus. It takes time. It takes effort. But consider the disciples. Just two or three years ago when they started walking with Jesus, Jesus was, they were tripping all over themselves. They couldn't figure out what was happening. They they were confused by his miracles and who he was and what was happening. And now a couple of years later, they are with confidence continuing Jesus's mission in the world, making other people strong. So what does this mean for us? I have two things that are pretty straightforward that I think we can take with us from this passage. The first one is is, is very simple. You have been made strong. Remember that. You have been made strong. Christ has done the work needed for you to be made strong. Christ has completed the work. We just sang about the blood of Jesus Christ, right? Christ has completed the work necessary for you to be made strong. God makes us strong. We do not make ourselves strong. When we bow down to God, when we admit our weakness, our spiritual weakness, we are made strong. And the power that we then find does not come from us, as Peter and John said, but from the Lord. When we bow down to God, he is so good to us that he then fills us with his power and makes us strong, as it says in Acts chapter 3, verse 16. And so even if you say, well, Sam, this passage is about physical healing, right? Let me just remind you of Mark chapter two. You remember the guy with the mat and the four friends, they cut the hole in the roof and they lower him down. And Jesus says, you know, your sins are forgiven. And they say, well, hold on a second. How can you forgive this guy's sins? Jesus says to him, hey, which is easier? That I tell this person his sins are forgiven or that he should get up his mat and walk out of here and be healed. You know what? I'm just going to do both of them. So see, church, what we need to know, whether it's a physical ailment, whether it is a spiritual weakness, whether it is doubt, that it is Jesus Christ who makes us strong. And he has already done the work for you and for me. And then the second thing we need to know, no matter what, as we go forward in this life, that we are made in the image of God. That as we go forward, as we continue and the world comes at us and people tell us we are weak and and, and circumstances don't go our way and we doubt and we do stupid things that affect and make us feel weak, we need to remember that we are made in the image of God. Because when we forget that we are image bearers, when we forget that we have Christ in us, you you know what we're doing? It, this is kind of what happens. So people, people lie to us. They break us down. They do things to us to hurt us, sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. But even when those things happen that are outside of our control, when we feel weak, it's really still our fault. Because what that means is that we have been placing our trust in other things. I gave you the example of a job. When I was searching for a job, I remember thinking, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. No one wants me. And the reason, the reason that made me feel weak is because I was putting my hope 
in finding a job. I was putting the idea of my goodness and my success in, in my job and in, in how I presented myself to the world. You know what that is? When, when, when we rely on other things other than God, when we rely on other people's opinions, when we rely on accomplishments for our strength, you know what that's called? Idolatry. The Bible calls this idolatry. We are, when we rely on other things besides God to feel strong, we are bowing down before false gods. And when we bow down before idols, they make us weak. But when we bow down before the living God, he makes us strong. And it's really kind of that simple sometimes. When we give power to the things in this world that are temporary and outside of our control, they make us weak because we end up doubting ourselves and we end up doubting God. But when we live life with God by resting at his feet as the disciples did, he makes us strong. And the funny thing about idols <laughs> is that we actually think they make us strong, but what they're really doing is making us weak, right? We trust in a theology, an idea, uh, other people's perceptions of us, and we think, this is good. I have it figured out. We trust in a certain theology, a certain way of life, how people see us and praise us, whatever it is. But, but, but if that's not Jesus, if, if, if the thing we're looking to for our strength is not Jesus Christ, then I would actually argue that instead of making us strong as we think it is, it's actually cutting us down and making us weak. See, church, when we are made strong, when we become strong, like this passage talks about and like scripture talks about, we are being made in the image of God. We are growing in the image of God. When we are strong in the Lord, and this is one of the cool things too. So not only does God make us strong, right? But then when we are strong in the Lord, what does it do for other people? Right? Look at Peter and John. They have been made strong in the Lord. They are confident in who they are. And then they became advocates for other people who felt weak. They lifted up the sick and the hurting and those who felt weak. See, church, when we grow in Jesus Christ, when we grow in strength of the Lord, we then take that strength that we are gaining from the Lord, from the work of Jesus Christ, and then we become advocates for other people who feel weak, for the orphan for the widow, for the sick, for the hurting, for the lonely, for the hungry, for the cold, for the one who is in prison. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That God's strength is not just for us, but then he uses us to lift up and to preach that gospel to those who feel weak. And when we know this truth and are living in the strength of the Lord, then we are an advocate and a helper for others. And then because we've become an advocate, we are no longer contributing to the lies that tell other people they are weak. We are no longer the kind of people who tell others they are weak, that tell others they are not good enough. We no longer are contributing to the problem, but to the solution. Isn't that amazing? Brothers and sisters in Christ, hear me. When you rest in the fact that the work is done, that Jesus Christ's work on the cross is done and you are made strong. And then you rest in the fact that you bear the very image of the living God. 
we stop perpetuating the lies. We stop perpetuating weakness, but instead we lift others up to the glory and the grace that we have found. And this is our calling. We are called to stop perpetuating the lies of weakness and brokenness that plague this world. We are called to lift one another up with the strength that we have found in the Lord. Because, church, do not forget, Christ has made you strong. Would you pray with me? Let's pray.